You are listening to the teaching ministries of Southwest Church, located in the heart of Springboro, Ohio, at 150 Remick Boulevard, beside the Kaufman Family YMCA. Please visit our website at www.southwestchurch.org. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Senior Minister Roger Hendricks. Father, we thank you for what a great God you are. We thank you for how you are at work in the life of this church. Father, this weekend, we want to thank you for moms among us. We thank you for the mothers in our life, both present, those that are no longer with us. But we thank you for the influence they've had in our life. And we want to celebrate that influence today. We want to thank you for the opportunity to to. Uh, direct some of our mission dollars toward the Community Pregnancy Center. And we pray, Father, that Jesus' name will be exalted, that uh, young women and young dads-to-be will be encouraged to, to see those pregnancies through, to see those babies born. And we pray, Father, that you will be honored and blessed and, and that uh, the sanctity of life you've given us will be upheld through that effort. And, Father, we, we pray for that. And, and we pray for Stacy as she leaves for Russia. We pray that you will protect her and take care of her. We pray that you'll work through her and others on the team and that she will, uh, that all of them will exalt Christ to the people of Russia, that you will bless their time there and bless their travel and bring Stacy back to be with us. And we pray that uh, not only will she grow from this experience, but she will share Jesus with others who desperately need to hear him. We love you, Lord, and we, we ask that you'll just be at work in the rest of our time together through the teaching that takes place today that you will be exalted, that Jesus will be lifted high, and that we'll be drawn to him in a, in a powerful way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Could you uh, w- join me in just uh, sending her off with applause and prayer? So, thank, thank you so much. Thank you. Before we dismiss our students today, this has, been a, this has been a great weekend here at Southwest, and we're grateful for that. Uh, this weekend on Friday night, we had a special ordination uh, celebration, uh, ministry ordination. Eric Kraft, who's been serving with us since October uh, as a part-time junior high minister, uh, he graduated from Cincinnati Christian University yesterday, and so we're in youth ministry. We're grateful for that. And uh, on Friday night, uh, the elders gathered around him. We prayed for him, and he was ordained uh, for Christian ministry. And we are excited to announce today that uh, starting today, May 14th, Eric is going to be serving full-time as our junior high minister here at Southwest. Yeah. Eric, if you could kind of wave. He's right back there. He had a whole moment on stage Friday. He says, I don't have to get back up on stage again, do I? I said, no, just wave at us, okay? So, uh, but uh, pray for Eric. He's also going to be taking on some additional responsibilities within children's ministry to strengthen that ministry as well, to come alongside Tammy Stahl, our children's minister. Uh, so I hope that you can see not just with our building uh, phase two, but also with our staffing that we are committed to investing in the next generation. And we want you to know that, and we're grateful for your support and encouragement. We ask that you be praying for Eric as he begins his full-time ministry here at Southwest. We're grateful for Eric. 
With that said, we're going to go ahead and dismiss our junior high and high school students, and uh, we'll be dismissing you to go over to the YMCA. We're getting so close to where you'll just be dismissed and go next door. And we're looking forward to occupying that student wing uh, coming up soon. Well, this month we've been examining a series of messages entitled Victory. And we've been looking at the importance of learning from a victorious Jewish leader named Joshua, who is an example to all of us of what it means to live a life of victory. Throughout this series, we've been examining the importance of having a genuine biblical faith and true dependence upon God to live out that victorious life on a daily basis. Last week, if you were here, if you weren't here, I'll let you know, we examined how it took bold faith for Joshua and the Israel, uh, Israelite leaders to step into the Jordan River when it was at flood stage. And uh, if you were here, we talked about how that the priests were carrying the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders with the, uh, the poles there, and that they took that bold step into the Jordan River. And when they did, God parted the waters, and approximately two to two and a half million Israelites crossed the Jordan River into the Promised Land. So with that as the backdrop, let's pick up the reading in Joshua chapter 4. If you have a Bible with you, and turn to Joshua 4. You can follow along in the message insert in the bulletin or the screens on, uh, up here. In Joshua 4 verse 1, it says, When all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now choose twelve men, one from each tribe. Tell them, take twelve stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at a place where you will camp tonight. Verse 4, so Joshua called together the twelve men he had chosen. If we skip to verse 8, so the men did as Joshua had commanded them. They took twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan River, one for each tribe, just as the Lord had told Joshua. They carried them to the place where they camped for the night and constructed the memorial there. Joshua also set up another pile of 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan at the place where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing. And they are there to this day. So what do we see as we read this miraculous event? We read the Lord instructs Joshua to lead the people in constructing a memorial uh, to never forget the Lord's power displayed in the miraculous way that he parted the Jordan River so that all the people could cross and enter the promised land. He tells them to pile up 12 stones taken from the Jordan River so that they are on the west side of the Jordan, also known as the victory side of the Jordan. So they'll never forget that the victory comes from the Lord. Now, also, if you read this carefully, you'll see that Joshua also erects another personal memorial in the middle of the Jordan River to remember this moment. You see, this was truly a monumental time in Joshua's life as 
the people responded obediently to his leadership. And so his leadership has now become secure as, as the baton has been passed from Moses to Joshua. And we're told that the men of Israel did as Joshua had commanded them. Interestingly enough, Moses had responded in a very similar way by building a memorial uh, to remember what God had done uh, in him and through him. And if you go back and read in Exodus 24, you can see a reference to this, and, and it's up on the screen. It's not in your message notes, but, but after Moses had, had delivered the, the Ten Commandments and also some of those uh, uh, early commandments from the Lord that he'd received from Mount Sinai, and the people responded in a very positive, obedient way, saying, yes, we will accept these commandments. Moses, not instructed by God, but just on his own, marks this moment by building uh, up this, these piles of stones to, to mark this milestone in his personal development as a leader in God's kingdom. I find it interesting that Joshua does a very similar thing, imitating his mentor. And he does that without being instructed by the Lord. He, he builds that pile up in the Jordan River. Of course, he did it when it was dry, and then when the water went back, some said it would have probably only been seen when it, the waters were not at flood stage. What do we see here? We see that an example of discipleship where Joshua imitates what he had seen in the person that had in many ways discipled him in leadership. And I think this reminds us once again, the discipleship, and we talk a lot about being a disciple of Jesus here. We talk about what does it mean to follow Jesus and to influence others to be Jesus followers as well. But when we talk about discipleship, it's so important for us to remember that discipleship is not just something that we simply teach or it's not something simply that's taught with our words, but discipleship is something also that's caught by example. Oftentimes, it's more caught than it is taught. It's something we catch from observing others that are further in their faith and are really being very intentional about following Jesus in their life. On this Mother's Day weekend, I want to encourage you to celebrate in your heart all that you've learned from your mother. Not just her words, but her example. What have you learned? You know, Jane and I are leaving this afternoon, prob honestly, probably after I take a nap this afternoon, then we're going to take off and we're going to drive to Indiana and spend the evening with my 88-year-old mother. And I think we've got a, a photo here. I, I tried to find, I don't know if you can see that very well. This was, a, I tried to find a picture when both my mom and I had dark hair, okay? And this, I had to go back quite a ways, Okay. Uh, but, but here, my mom and dad with us three kids, I'm the little guy, the only one that's not dressed up for church, you can see. Uh, but, uh, but I'm so grateful for my mom and the influence that she's had 
in my life. There's a picture of us more recent with two very special moms in my life, and I'm looking forward to spending this evening with both of them. You know, when I think about my mom, I can't remember my mom ever telling me, Roger, you need to read your Bible every day. I never remember her saying that to me. But you know what? I observed it in her life. Every morning of my childhood that I look back on, I have strong memories of walking to the breakfast table, sometimes staggering, trying to get the sleep out of my eyes, and seeing my mom sit at the breakfast table, reading her Bible, drinking a cup of coffee. Maybe that's why I love both, reading the Bible and drinking coffee today because I observed it every day in my mom's life. She was that example to me. And in so many ways, that aspect of my discipleship, of being devoted to Scripture, devoted to reading the Bible, I attribute to my mom's example. What did you catch from your mom? Now, maybe the times we see things that we caught that aren't so good, But I think if we'll look, there's a number of positive qualities and characteristics and habits that we picked up from our mothers. Let's make sure we thank them. And I know that sometimes Mother's Day can be tough for those that your mom's no longer with you. But maybe you can honor her today with memories, looking back through photos and... and, uh, And just think of ways to celebrate the influence that your mom has had in your life. For those of us that are parents, the question that we need to ask ourselves is what are our children catching from us? What are they observing in our life? The question isn't always what are we telling our kids? The question is what are they observing in our lives? Let's make sure that we are not only talking to our kids about loving God and following Jesus, but let's make sure that we are living that out before them so that they can catch that discipleship from us. Well, as we learn from Joshua's example of victorious living, our first observation is that we're to set aside a time, a time of celebration, but a time, as he did, of remembrance. A time of remembrance. And this Mother's Day, remember your mom and your grandmother and the influence that they had in their life. Celebrate that. Cherish it. But we see that from Joshua's example, he has a time of remembrance of the gifts that God has given him and the victory that the Lord has blessed him and all the Israelite people. Let's keep reading in in Joshua chapter 4, and I think I mismarked this in the notes. It's actually verse 14. It says, That day the Lord made Joshua a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. And for the rest of his life, they revered him as much as they had revered Moses. Skipping on down to verse 18. As soon as the priest carrying the ark of the the Lord's covenant came up out of the riverbed and their feet were on high ground, the water of the Jordan River, uh, Jordan returned and overflowed its banks as before. That's amazing. 
the end of verse 19, then they camped at Gilgal just east of Jericho. It was there at Gilgal that Joshua piled up the 12 stones taken from the Jordan River. Then Joshua said to the Israelites, in the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, this is what the Israelites, this is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes, and he kept it dry until you were all across, just as he did at the Red Sea when he dried it up, until we had all crossed over. He did this so that all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful, and so you might fear the Lord your God forever. I love this celebration that Joshua has of what God had done uh, for the people of Israel. And I believe this vivid example is a great lesson for each and every generation because each generation needs to do two things. One, experience God's power in a personal way. You see, I don't want to just stand up here on the weekends and talk about what God has done in the past, what God has done in the past in Israel and what God has done past in the early church. Yes, it's important for us to go back and read that and celebrate that and learn from that. But I want to make sure that we also as a church celebrate what God is doing in the present and that we have the eyes to see that God is at work. I don't know if you sense it, but I really sense in my heart that God's really at work in the life of this church. There's just a lot of exciting things happening. You just sense that God's up to something. He's working. He's, he's moving in hearts. He's making a difference. You know, this weekend, I've just felt in my heart just really full. Because I'm so encouraged by what God's doing and how he's at work and how I can see evidence of it. You know, this, this weekend we, we had an ordination of a, a young man that's going into full-time ministry. And we were able to celebrate that and, and, and praise God for how God's at work in young people's lives. And, and I even see in our crowd today one of our, our college students. It's uh, uh, Jimmy McAfee. It's been away at Johnson. There's Jimmy. And he's been working on that beard for just a couple days. But anyways, uh, but, you know, I'm so encouraged by young people that have grown up here and have gone on to Christian college and are going into full-time ministry or some type of service in, in God's name and honor. And, and it's just so encouraging. And we were able to celebrate that with Eric. Uh, on, on, on yesterday, we had a, a wedding here in this building. And, and as I came to the church building to prepare for that wedding, and to open it up early yesterday morning, I, I just, my heart was overflowing with joy. And I thought five years ago, there wasn't a church building to open up. And to th this weekend, I was able to open up and, and, and the wedding party got dressed back in the, in the phase two children's area. And I just thought, this is so cool. This is so, I'm so grateful for what God is doing in the life of the church. I'm so thankful. And we want to celebrate what God has done in the present. But I'm not only celebrating buildings that have been 
constructed and phase two that's been constructed, but I'm celebrating how God's at work in lives and how God's at work in the families that worship here and how we're seeing people making decisions and families being strengthened in faith. You know, just last weekend, our, our, not just our first weekend, but our second week in a row, we had a father and son that were baptized into Christ. And if you were here last week in first hour, you know, at the end of the first service, Craig Dodo and his son Vincent were baptized into Christ. In the week before that, uh, Ed and Nick Kempf, father, son, were baptized into Christ. And it was just so encouraging to see individuals making decisions of faith and families being strengthened because of how God is working in their life. And by the way, We'd love to keep that string going. So if you're a father and son ready to make a decision this weekend, let us know. We'd love to assist you with that. But you see, God is work. Let's celebrate that. A second lesson we can learn from, it's essential that we personally pass on to the next generation what the Lord has done in our lives. I love how Joshua said, you know, some of you only have heard about how God parted the Red Sea, but now you've experienced how God parted the Jordan. I think it's important for every mother and father and every grandmother and grandfather to share with their children and grandchildren how God is real to you and how the Lord has been at work in your life and what he means to you and the difference he's made in your life, and then to make sure that you are sharing that with your children and grandchildren so that they can anticipate that God will be at work in their lives as well. Now, here's the amazing thing. Up to this time in Israel's history, before they crossed the Jordan under Joshua's leadership, that a lot of the people had forgotten to worship God and to obey his commands. They'd forgotten some of God's instructions just in a 40-year period of time. And we'll see that not only is this a time of remembrance, but under Joshua's leadership, it's also our second observation today, a time of restoration. Let's read about that in Joshua chapter 5, beginning in verse 2. It says, at that time, the Lord told Joshua, make flint knives and circumcised the second generation of Israelites. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the entire male population of Israel. Now, let me just make a couple comments. This year, we've said that we want to do things new. We want to do new outreaches, new ministries. We want to teach new things. We want to do old things in new ways well, I'm doing something new. I don't know if I've ever on Mother's Day talked about circumcision, okay? So that's new. The second observation I want to make before we keep reading is I want to share with you my belief that Joshua was a fantastic leader. I think it would take great persuasive skills to persuade one man to be circumcised, an adult man. Joshua persuaded 600,000 adult men. Plus their children, which probably didn't have much say in the matter, but probably about a million males 
were circumcised that day. Now, that's leadership. That's impressive leadership. Okay, verse 6. The Israelites had traveled in the wilderness for 40 years until all the men who were old enough to fight in battle when they'd left Egypt had died. For they had disobeyed the Lord, and the Lord vowed he would not let them enter the land he'd sworn to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So Joshua circumcised their sons, those who had uh, grown up to take their father's places, for they had not been circumcised on the way to the promised land. After all the males had been circumcised, they rested in the camp until they were healed. There's kind of some humor there, but think about that. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I've rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. So that place has been called Gilgal to this day. Well, what do we see? We see that Joshua restores the priority of worshiping God and obeying his commands. A command that had not been observed for, for 40 years. And Joshua restores that command. You know, as we put out this plea, this call to be truly non-denominational Christians, people that are just going by the Bible. The challenge for every person that comes to Southwest and the challenge for us as a church is to constantly go back to Scripture and seek to restore the teachings that we find in the Bible. And I think this is especially difficult for people that maybe have grown up with a a particular uh, church tradition or faith tradition that maybe you didn't hear certain things taught when you were growing up. In fact, maybe even you grew up with traditions that weren't, you can't really find in Scripture. Maybe you've heard the story, but on Mother's Day, I thought it'd be appropriate to retell the story of the the young couple that had just got married, and they wanted to honor their mothers, so the the young couple invited both the the, the, uh, husband's parents and, and the wife's parents over for dinner, and the, the young, young wife said she wanted to fix a pot roast, and so she, she got a pot roast, and she cut it in half and put it in two pans and put it in the oven, and the husband said, why are you cutting the pot roast in two? And she says, because my mom always cut the pot roast in two before she, she cooked it, you know, and so he's like, okay, that doesn't make any sense. So then the parents came over, and he asked his mother-in-law during the dinner, how do you fix a pot roast? And she said, well, it's simple. You cut it in half and put it in two pans. And he says, I don't get that. Why do you cut it in half before you put it in the oven? And she said, well, that's the way my mom always did it. So then later that day, they went to the nursing home and visited the grandma. And, and the young husband says to his grandma-in-law, how do you fix a pot roast? She said, that's simple. You get a pot roast, you cut it in half, put it in two bags. He says, I don't get that. Why do you cut it in half? And she thought for a minute and she said, well, when we first got married, we were so poor, we didn't have a pan big enough for a pot roast. We had to cut it in half. You see, a tradition that made sense at one time had just got carried on and it was meaningless to future generations. Unfortunately, sometimes that happens families, and even churches. I, I've been greatly influenced by a, 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 a revival, a Christian movement that took place in this country in the early 1800s. And what that movement was all about was just getting back to being Jesus followers, being Christians. It was a non-denominational movement where some people left uh, 
a particular denomination and just said, what would happen if we just went by the Bible and just started teaching and preaching with the Bible? In fact, it was called the Restoration Movement. Let's just restore the teachings of the Bible and the New Testament. When we started Southwest, we said, what would happen if we just were a church that were really serious about restoring Scripture? Restoring the teachings that we find in the Bible and putting it into practice today. It's a time of restoration. Maybe for some of you, it's a time for you to wrestle with what you've been taught, with what Scripture says. I have to admire the courage of Joshua. Even if a whole generation missed this, we're going to do what the Bible, what the Lord says. Our last observation today is that we can learn from Joshua the importance of a time of revelation. You see, as Joshua has led the people to the victory side of the Jordan, the west side, we see that before Joshua and the people can experience the victories that we're going to keep reading about in, in the book of Joshua, it's important that Joshua have a time with the Lord. And God breaks through in a powerful way. And I want you to close with this reading in Joshua 5, verse 13. It says, when Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in hand. Joshua went up to him and demanded, are you a friend or a foe? Neither one, he replied, I'm the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. Sometimes people ask the wrong question. Maybe you've asked the wrong question. Is the Lord on our side? That's a wrong question. The better question is, are we on the Lord's side? A personal question for you is, am I on the Lord's side? Are you on the Lord's side? In a scene very similar to Moses experiencing God's revelation in that holy moment when God spoke to him from the burning bush, Joshua has this incredible holy moment with this man standing in front of him with a sword in hand, possibly like the graphic on the stage behind me. Now, some have wondered if this being that Joshua is experiencing is the preexistent Christ appearing to him. Others have said it's simply an angelic being. I couldn't help but think about this scene when we sang that song earlier, and we're going to sing it at the very end. When we sang that chorus, who can stop the Lord Almighty? Regardless of whether it's an angelic being or the preexistent Christ, it's truly a holy moment in Joshua's life that God breaks through to get Joshua's attention to let him know that victory doesn't come from dreaming of a future that's exciting. Victory doesn't come from looking at the past, but victory comes when we look up And we look at the power of God Almighty. 
You see, we can't be simply content to be a people learning from the historic past or dreaming of the future. We've got to be intentional about carving out time in our lives and in our church to allow God to break through so that we can have that sense of a time of revelation from above. One of the reasons that we build into all of our worship gatherings a time of communion is that we don't want to simply talk about God, learn from God, and dream about what God wants to do in our lives. We want to make sure that we give everyone some time to sit still and be with God. Will you accept that invitation today? When we pass the bread and we pass the cups of juice, it's a time of remembrance, just like we talked about today. It's a time to remember what Jesus has done for each and every one of us so that we could have a relationship with God Almighty. So as you take the bread and the cup, remember Jesus But also it's a time of restoration. This morning in my personal devotional time, I read Psalm 51, Create in me a pure heart, O God. Restore within me a steadfast spirit willing to serve you. Let's allow this to be a time of restoration where God restores our hearts, our focus, our priorities on that which really matters. And finally... Let's allow this time of communion to be a time of revelation where we allow ourselves a time just to be still and to listen to what God might be speaking into our hearts today. Do you have the courage to give yourself the room, the space, and the silence to allow God to reveal himself to you. Allow God to reveal what he might be wanting to say to you. Let's be still. Let's be in awe of a God who's almighty. And let's listen to what he wants to say to our hearts. Let's pray together. Dear God, thank you so much for these great stories of faith. Thank you that you sent your son to this earth so that we could have a relationship with you. We ask, Father, that we will remember his sacrifice at this time. We ask that you will create in us a pure heart and restore within us a spirit to sustain us. And help us, Father, just to sit still and listen to what you might want to reveal to our hearts and our lives at this time. It's in Jesus' name that we invite you to speak to us now. Amen. Thank you for listening to Southwest Church Teaching Ministries. We are a community of people committed to following Jesus and making disciples. Please join us for one of our three weekly gatherings. 
Saturdays at 5.30 p.m., Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11.15 a.m.